0: scripture says in psalm 65 in verse 2 oh thou that hearest prayer unto thee shall all flesh come in psalms 145 and 18 it says the lord is nigh unto them that are call that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth amen, amen. it's important that you not just call upon the lord but you call upon him in truth You can't get truth unless you understand the Word of God. That is the source of truth. It is the roadmap for salvation. If you don't know how you're saved, how can you truly be in truth? Truth is coming from the Word of God. And when you are calling upon the Lord in your prayer, you need to also know that you're calling upon Him in truth. That's very good. James 4 and 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Or come close to God, and He will come close to you. Do you not... Maybe you do, but do you not understand, my brothers and sisters, that we are designed to connect with what we get close to? That's why it's important that uh, we be careful what we become familiar with. The Bible talks about familiar spirits. Because we're designed as human beings to connect with what we get close to. We're like Wi-Fi. When we get into an environment... We sense spirits as spiritual beings. When I walk into a room and there is a witch, I can tell something's not right there. Because my spirit picks up the spirit that's on that person. My Wi-Fi connection says there's something in this room that's attached to that body. And so you have to understand that as we are able and understand the connections that we have are very important. You need to be careful who you hang with. Amen? You need to be careful who you call a friend because whenever you connect with them, you are connecting with what they're connected to. Amen? Yes. So as we continue this sermon about prayer, I want you to know that our spiritual Wi-Fi is just like the phone that we carry. Whenever you walk into a particular environment and there is a Wi-Fi signal, you can download things without even knowing that you're downloading. I can walk into an environment and my phone, because it has maybe connected there before, will connect up and sync to that Wi-Fi in my pocket. And I will download an update for an app and I don't even know it's going on. But whenever we understand that about technology, we have to understand that about the human soul and the human design and our spiritual man. We can walk into environments and begin to download in the environment what is going on in that room. Have you ever walked into a room and felt completely uncomfortable and never knew why? Have you ever walked into a situation and felt like, I'm not supposed to be here because there's something going on? You feel out from what's going on in the room and you don't even know why it's happening. What happened is your Wi-Fi, your spirit picked up on what is in that room and you say, I need to just go ahead and check out. I need to walk back out the door I just walked in because I don't need to be in here. And there are times when we're downloading stuff on our work, in our job, in our places and environments that we don't even realize are affecting our spirits and then all of a sudden we become exhausted spiritually and our battery is Drained, and we're like, How did this happen? How did I get to 10% battery by lunchtime? And what happened was, I was doing a software update the whole time and didn't realize it. And so, what can happen is, if you don't spend time getting close and connecting with God, this world will drain your spiritual batteries because there is spirits at work in our world. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And and powers, and spiritual wickedness. So you're not just going to a website. You're not just walking into a work environment. You're walking into spiritual warfare. And if you don't set up before you get in the situation, you will be drained and affected adversely. Is that all right? So we connect to what we get close to. Hebrews 4:16 says let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He said get close and connect to me when you have a need. You're going to find grace and you're going to find mercy at my throne. I'm not just some big guy upstairs with a gavel ready to judge everything. He's not like that. He said, if you want to know what it's like to approach my throne and connect with me, you're going to find grace first and mercy second first timothy 2 and 8 says i will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands the original word for men truly means gender of a man but it also can mean in more primitive in the in the lesser interpretation a uh, uh, general mankind but it really is trying to lean in scripture here toward the man i would therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up up holy hands. You need to have hands that you have dedicated to the God who's holy. Amen? Without wrath, we struggle with anger, men. Hello, somebody. We struggle with doubting. Our faith is always under attack. So God wants men who have consecrated their hands and their life to Him to lift them up and take away wrath out of their life. When they feel anger, lift your hands. When you feel doubt, lift your hands, men. I'm talking to the men right now. But also in the lesser in the lesser interpretation, it means mankind. So women, we need to lift up holy hands. And and as a man, as as men and women, we need to pray. Pray our way out of anger when anger comes, and pray our way out with lifted hands out of doubting when it comes. Somebody said amen. Amen. In first Jude in Jude chapter one there is only one Jude. Jude one and twenty, be ye beloved, be ye beloved. But ye, beloved, there we go, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It means praying in the language that the Holy Ghost has given you. It says if you don't get in a place of connection through prayer with God, you will not be built up. Conversely, walk through the ser- the, the scripture backwards. Holy Ghost praying has faith. In, it, it builds you in a holy faith. And without that, you are not built built up so beloved please do this amen that's kind of where, the way i see it first peter four and seven but the end of all things is at hand be ye therefore sober watch in other words clear-minded and watch unto prayer the greatest privilege we have and the greatest responsibility is to pray amen when you become part of the church You are enlisted with one job and your primary job is to be a praying saint. Can you imagine getting a cell phone call from somebody in New York at a publishing company and they call you and say if you, I want to fly you out to New York we're going to have you sign a contract and we're going to have you uh, receive a, a $2 million advance check in hand when you sign that contract and all you have to do is write one children's book over the next 12 years. One children's book. You may know nothing about children's books. You may have no knowledge of how simple they are. (laughs) It's like, the clock. The big clock. The mouse ran up the clock. The end. (laughs) $13. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> so, you. What if someone came to you and offered you that? You, you may not write at all, but I, I'd imagine if there was a two million dollar check waiting on you, you would take a few courses on writing kids' books. Amen. If there, you would take the opportunity to fly a few people in to General Mitchell and drive your car and pick them up and do interviews about how to set up, how to design, and how to write children's books. Amen. Two million on the line here. And, and i imagine that you'd probably would even fly yourself someplace to some convention where they talk about children's books and and how they're made and and even though it's only 2 million and probably 1 million goes to taxes and you only take home 1 million i believe i believe that you would find it in your well, in your best interest to go ahead and figure out how to write a Christ, a children's book in the next 12 years amen and so it is with prayer, we may not understand how to pray very well. We may not know all the ins and outs of prayer, but prayer is the fundamental of our relationship with God. It is, it is what we must have for a basis. In the Scriptures, I read to you and the Word of God that I share with you, repeatedly it commands us to seek the Lord in prayer. Everyone say prayer. prayer. The Old Testament and the New Testament are filled with examples of prayer and calls to prayer. Amen. A call to come and pray. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. When, when you feel like it. No. When, you, when you get up in the morning. When you lay down at night. Yes, those are all good places. But the Bible says continually. Uh-huh. Isaiah 55 and 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Everyone say he is near. It is important that we do that. Ephesians 6 and 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Supplication is just a petition in in the Spirit. Amen? Anybody know what praying in the Spirit means? It means when you pray in the language that God's given you and you pray with your spirit from the inside out, you don't have to understand it. And watching thereunto with all perseverance, you have to persevere in prayer and supplication for all saints. You have to keep praying for your brothers and your sisters and keep praying and persevere and keep praying when it doesn't look like it's working. Keep praying. Just keep praying. Amen? Pray in the most important area of your life. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for your job. Pray for your finances. Pray for your vehicles. Pray for your home. Pray for whatever you think of. Pray. Just pray. Amen. Amen. Amen? Prayer is the most important Christian discipline that a believer can learn. For without prayer, spiritual survival is impossible. Simply the case. The Bible says pray that you faint not. In other words, you will faint if you don't pray. Prayer is spiritual survival. That's all it is. And it's like breath to your spirit. So either we pray or we die. That's the fact. Amen? How many know that's true? When I was younger, I wanted to play golf. And uh, my youth pastor, he played golf. I don't know why someone would want to play golf in Alaska. There's more snow on the ground than there is grass. So you have like three months to work on your golf game. It's like seriously intense. It's like it's like an accelerated course, you know, you got to crunch it all into three months. But I decided I wanted to play golf. So I, I, you know, got this rummage sale clubs of golf, you know, set of golf clubs, got it for cheap. And, and I started chipping around the yard and practicing in the yard. And I, I just basically watched what my use, Youth pastor did, and he had like this little net, and he would chip the ball into the net, and I'd watch what he did, and and so, but I wanted to know more. I didn't want to just watch one person, so I thought, okay, I'll I'll learn. So, so I started watching some different things, and I, I got a book on how to play golf, and I learned the rules, and I and I I was like, man, and you know, I'm starting to chip, and I'm i playing. If if you ever play with me, I'm really good right around the green because that's where I started. I started chipping stuff and putting stuff, but if you get me a little ways out from the green, I'm a mess. It's like. It goes one way, it goes right, it goes, it's called army golf, right, left, right, <laughs> left. <laughs> but what I didn't realize was I, I put all this time into, into putting and I'd go mini putting and I'd put, and I'd put it in the cup and, and then I'd go to the golf places and they have these putt places that you can, you can check out clubs and I'd putt in there and, and I'd chip around on the grass and I was ready, I thought. And so one day I got invited to play golf, but the problem is I never practiced with the driver. The initial club, when you get on the golf course, is called a driver. It's this big old monster of a club. And if you don't know how to use that club, you don't even get in the game. That That is a club that pushes the ball the farthest out so that you don't have to swing so many times to put the ball in the hole. And I got up on the, I mean, I was looking good. I I had my nice khakis on. I had my nice new golf shoes on. Brand new spikes, good. I I had good grip. I mean, I, I, I was good. I wouldn't move. And and I had nice, a nice shirt on, and a nice little vest with a little you know Argyle design on it, and I looked amazing. And I and I walked up there, and I got on that tee box, and I was ready. And I was like, you know, I'm, I can do this. I can play this game. I read all the books, knew all the rules. I looked looked the part, and I talked golf. I could speak golf. I could tell you what was what. I could tell you where it was slice went. I could tell you how to fade. I could tell you all this stuff. And then I got up there and I went to swing and there was a whole group of people watching because they were all backed up to tee up. And I went pink and the ball (laughs) rolled off over there, (laughs) literally went 10 feet away from me. That was my first experience at golf because what I had done was I had focused on everything around golf. But forgot to focus on the most important thing that gets me further into the game than anything else would ever ever do. It was a fatal error. I had never learned how to drive a golf ball. I never spent enough time on a tee box to, to, to where I could even start the game. I was good at talking the game looking like the game playing everything else on the game but I couldn't do the basic things and it's like that you can do the same thing in Christianity we've got an image going where we understand how we need to stand and how we need to praise and how we need to look and where we need to be and we read all the right books amen the Bible we can know all the stuff and have all the information and, and know everything and know even where to stand on issues and know the rules and the, and the things. To do, but it, but if you're not praying, you can't even get in the game, amen. You can't even get close to where you need to be, and it's hilarious because I went on a ministers' outing, and these ministers were all fairly decent golfers. And by that point, I got the clue, and I figured out how to swing the ball. You know, I mean, I swing the driver. I, I figured out how to hit, and and so then this guy shows up, and he has these knickers on. You know those ones that come way up here, and he and he's got you know he's showing his socks the whole time, and and he's got these, This, I mean, it was amazing. He was in pink. He was rocking pink, Brother Rob. And, and he had like pink sweater. And the guy looked like, you know, Stuart Payne on a professional golf tour. And he gets up there and he can't even hit the ball. He, it, was, it was almost hilarious. And the talk of all the ministers was, well, he looks good. But that's exactly what the enemy is doing to the church. We look like it. We look good. But if we're not praying, the enemy is literally standing back, pointing and laughing at the church. Because there is no power if there is no prayer. And if we look apart and stand on the right issues and tell everything that we don't do. But we don't even know how to intercede for a soul in need. And we don't know how to get with God and connect with Him then how in the world do we expect the enemy to ever take us serious it is important that we understand it makes everything else pointless if we don't pray if we develop a steady consistent prayer life in the beginning of the year this year we will have less difficulties following God and our spiritual progress will be tremendously improved this year if only we would pray. Why don't we pray? We talk about it, don't we? I'm guilty like you're guilty. I, I got time. I think. I'm like, oh, I'll get to it. Uh, I, I got to run off to work right now, but I'll get to it tonight. Tonight rolls around, something happens, and, and I'm doing, you know, I'm doing patty-kick prayers. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thanks for keeping me safe. I love you, Lord. I'll be honest with you. There are days where I spend time on my knees more than other days. But there are some days where everything is against my prayer life. But I know if I don't spend some time in prayer, that it is pointless for me to call myself a Christian because there are coincidences that only happen when you're praying. Amen? There are connections that only happen when you're praying. Whenever I walk into a gas station and somebody is hurting across the desk, I need to know and feel that they need prayer. I can't just be praying for myself every day. I can't just be spending the little bit of time I got just to get me right. I need to be able to Dedicate and consecrate a time with God every day so I get me right before I go out there to help somebody else. And the problem in the church is we're all so busy fixing us, we have no time to care about anybody else. Amen? I'm not saying here. I'm saying in general. There's so much me-ism in the church today that we spend so much time making sure everybody's okay, that we that come here, that we don't have any time to get beyond these walls and care for somebody else. Now in our busy schedules I understand we have things to do and places to be but I'm not giving anyone a hall pass. We have to pray. If we don't pray it won't work. Amen. Because we have weapons that we're not even using if we're not praying. Do you understand that? I don't know if anybody anybody here have you ever shot a weapon? Have you ever fired a gun? Isn't it powerful? It's like whoa, all of that right there. It's dangerous but yet it's controlled. If I had a bullet here today and I was just holding a bullet, none of you would feel nervous. You'd be like, oh, that's cool. That's a bullet. That goes in a gun. But if I had a gun here and a bullet and I put the bullet into the gun, everybody in here would be leaving. (laughs) Praise the Lord, Pastor. Church is over. (laughs) Have a good time. Don't shoot yourself. (laughs) See you next week if you make it. (laughs) But the problem is, We have all the ammunition. I mean, we we have all the weapons. We just don't have the ammunition. I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Prayer is the ammunition. We. I had a friend that I went hunting with. Can you handle the story? One more story. I had a friend that I went hunting with, and he was a sniper in Vietnam. And uh, I didn't know this till after I was out in a tent with him, and we were a week out, and I couldn't go back home. So he started telling me stories, and I was like, I don't think I want to be here anymore. But he had a four hundred fifty seven Weatherby, the largest single action rifle that you can buy domestically as a man. You have to have a government license for anything bigger. It it carried what's called a T Rex shell. The shell is literally like that big. It was a monolithic shell, so it's one big open shell and and the the bullet the bullet was a seven hundred fifty grain bullet and it what that means is it had that much pack behind it. Seven hundred and fifty grains of gunpowder and when that, when that rifle was fired, it had such a recoil that that bullet traveled 2,460 2, feet per second. That's half a mile in a second. And so you have to understand that whenever you produce that much power, there's a kick, amen? And you have to learn how to handle the kick of the weapon, Okay. And we have weapons that are so powerful that sometimes we'll get in this spurt of prayer and we'll get on our knees and we'll pray for like an hour. We'll tear it up, okay? We're firing weapons, that are so much bigger than we're used to firing. And the recoil on that has a spiritual effect, okay? So for the next week, you're taking grenades from the enemy, and you're like, what in the world is going on? Well, you stepped into a 50 caliber cannon for one hour on a Sunday afternoon and started praying some serious ammunition down on the enemy. You think he's not going to throw a grenade at you after that? He's like, where did they get the idea that they had the ammunition? We were good with them having all the guns lined up if they're not firing at anybody. That's what the church is doing. We sit here and we talk about how big our weapons are, but we never get on our knees and put the ammunition in the guns and fire at the spirits of darkness if we don't pray. We're not firing anything. And then when the pastor gets up and encourages everybody, get in the prayer prayer. Find a place on your knees this week. We get down on our knees and we start praying and then we come back sore the next week because every shoulder has got recoil damage from firing weapons. We didn't realize we're so big but the devil hates it if he can tell you, see, you shouldn't have been praying like that. We'll stop praying but what you need to do is fire it again and fire it again. Let the bruise heal on the shoulder and fire it again and get used to that powerful weaponry in your spirit and in your hands amen Amen. oh my goodness that's so good i think i'll buy the tape (laughs) produces that one shell produces 10,180 foot pounds of force when it's fired the first time he had the gun he was bear hunting it's called a game stopper that rifle it's an elephant dropper. Now, I don't condone shooting elephants, but literally, it is a big game <laughs> dropper. <laughs> That's what they call it, the elephant gun. But literally, it's to, it's to stop. And in the in the shell that he fires, it's called the T-Rex. They're like, if you shoot a dinosaur in the head, it'll drop a dinosaur. That's how big it is. But he never fired the gun before. And so he had the shot at a grizzly. And he's he, he was on this, it, it probably about from here to hear, it was a walking bridge, but it had rained that morning. And so he laid down on the bridge and he set up the rifle to take the shot at the grizzly bear. And because he had never fired the rifle in a laying position, when he released that bullet, it spun him around on the bridge and nearly put him in the creek off the other side of the bridge because he didn't understand the power of the weapon that he was firing. Do you think we can lazy boy our way into revival? Do you think we can just lay ourselves down and fire these kind of weapons we're talking about? These are spiritual, powerful weapons. Even the weapons of our enemy, though he developed them, have no effect on us because our weapons are so great. You have to understand, you can't lay down and be a Christian. You can't be lazy and see a soul saved. You have to get in there and work and pray and take, Take your stance and set your sights and fire at the enemy until something changes. I hear a prayer from a soul crying out in the early morning. And I see the changes in my life today because that prayer was my mama she cried in the middle i thought she had something wrong with her i thought she had something serious messed up going on i thought i thought dear lord we're never going to be able to buy milk again we're we're, we're out of money we're we're broke something's wrong the, the car stopped working i don't know it something happened i and and i one time i knocked on the door and i stuck my head in and she had just tissues all around her and she was just weeping before the lord i'm like mama are you okay she's like yes yeah, son i'm just praying for you guys i'm just praying for us I'm just praying for the church. I'm just praying for lost souls. And that day I was forever changed because I knew that had it not been for her prayers, I wouldn't be here today. You have to understand that everything affects is affected by prayer. So the armor of God's important in Ephesians six fourteen. We must put on the armor, amen. Because we're firing big weapons and we're going to get shot back at. I've had grenades thrown at me the last two weeks. I can't tell you kind of messes I've been in this last two weeks. I don't even care to tell you. Because it's all the enemy. There has been a constant barrage of distractions in my life for the last two weeks. And it's because he doesn't want me doing this right here. He doesn't want me preaching with anointing. He doesn't want me to continue to do what we need to do with all those people here. He doesn't want me to continue so that they never get here. Amen? Amen, somebody. Prayer is a supreme spiritual weapon in the arsenal of the believer. And it is unlimited and powerful. And it can overcome and defeat the onslaught. Look at this verse. 2 Corinthians. I'm ending. I'm trying to finish. I've got like two two whole sermons worth here. My wife read my sermon. She's like, dear Lord, son. I'm. She's like, sweet Moses, please don't preach all this. <laughs> we'll be here for four hours. Look, if you can sit for three and a half hours through a football game, don't talk to me about preaching for 45 minutes, okay? I'm not even going to hear it. Because <laughs> I sat through a, through a football game, so I don't mind preaching. But look at this verse. 1 Corinthians, i got to get back to it because I was playing around here. 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 10 verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to the leveling of strongholds. Have you ever seen that before? If there's a walled spiritual darkness, our weapons level it. Literally rubble. That's how powerful they are. So prayer activates the weapons that don't level the playing field for us. They don't put us in good contention. They literally annihilate the enemy. See what I'm saying? Literally wipes the the enemy to a level ground. And the Bible talks about prayer very strongly. Elijah prayed and brought victory over the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. Joshua prayed and caused the sun to stand still. The sun. Hello, somebody. The sun (laughs) to stand still. And Scientists have proven that throughout the archaeological, I mean, throughout the the scope of time, there's a day missing. And if you go back through the Bible, you will find where God either took the sun backwards or He stopped the sun enough to equal 24 hours. So the Word of God is going to verify what we know in science. Joshua prayed because the sun stood still. King David made a daily habit of prayer. Amen. Hannah's prayer resulted in the birth of Samuel the prophet. Moses prayed in intercession for Israel and they were spared. Daniel prayed three times a day, even at the risk of his own life. And the Lord shut the mouths of lions because he knew how to pray. Anna prayed fervently and it allowed her to see the newborn Messiah. What are you doing in your prayer today? I mean can I encourage you I want to propel you to pray. I don't want to make you feel bad for not praying. I want to propel you into prayer. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It's under the blood. God forgive it. And now let's pray. Amen. Let's get into the weaponry that we've been given. All we got to do is arm it. All we got to do is pull back the lever and get ready and fire away. And if you are setting in the weaponry that he gives you, then you need to have the armor on. So you have to armor up, amen? Jesus was our greatest example. He prayed in Mark one thirty five, Luke 6.12, Mark 6.46, Luke 5.16 says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. He didn't care where he prayed. He withdrew himself into a wilderness just so he could pray. And we need to pray always. Pray for forgiveness, Matthew 6.12. Pray for deliverance, Matthew 6.13. Pray for spiritual needs, amen? Are you hearing me today, brothers and sisters? Pray for physical needs, Matthew 6.11. Spiritual needs is Matthew 26.41. I'm giving you the references so that those listening online can look this up. And you can go back. I know you're going to have to take a doggy box or a doggy bag and take some of this home. I realize that. Listen to it online. Prayer. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends and acquaintances. Pray for all people, 1 Timothy 2.1. Pray for your enemies, Matthew 5.44. Pray for the church. Pray for your pastor. Please pray for me. Please. Pray for your spiritual leaders, 1 Thessalonians 5.25. Pray for your civic and government leaders, 1 Timothy 2.1-2. Pray for the gospel that it would be preached freely without resistance. Do you pray that way? If you don't start, pray that the gospel would not be resisted and that would go forth freely amen and if you need a reference for that you need just look at second thessalonians 3 and 1 pray for the lost we already do that don't we oh man do i pray for those that aren't here 10 romans 10 and 1 matthew 9 and 8 pray for ministers preachers pray for missionaries around the world Ephesians 6:18 and 20 pray for those that are sick James 5:16 how many pray for people that are sick amen you pray for pe- pray for those who are oppressed afflicted and in hardship James 5:13 whatever you do don't forget to pray amen could you stand with me i hope i've impressed upon you the fact that if you don't do anything between now and next sunday i hope you pray if you don't lift a finger to help us set up, tear down, do anything, make it to any Bible study, you better pray. Because if you don't pray, it will only take a certain amount of time and we won't see you anymore at the house of God. You will have no value in coming here because the value to be here often comes from your connections during the week with God. And sometimes you're, you don't realize it, but whenever you're connecting with God through the week, you're ready to do something great when you show up here. So your worship flows out of your connection to Him. Sometimes God doesn't want you to bring him petitions and bring him a list. He wants you to sit next to him. Have you ever been in love with somebody where you just wanted to be in their presence? That's what it's like sometimes. You have to realize that as we pray, you need to do all of this. Pray sincerely. Pray with petitions. Pray with supplications. Pray with all these different things. But you also need to know that you need to just spend time with the lover of your soul. Just sitting in his presence. Would you turn the lights down and let's just spend some moments with the Lord. Right now, Jesus, you're here. Lord God, you've quickened us so many times to pray and, and some of us have listened and I know sometimes I haven't gotten out of bed when you woke me up at 3 a.m. But Lord God, if you'd help us to learn how to confess these things and, and learn how to pray for one another and, and if we, you would help us to learn how to fervently pray because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need you, Jesus. We need you to help us in this endeavor. In this endeavor. Lord God, we would not insult you. Jesus, we would not insult you by not praying. Because if we don't pray, we're telling you we don't need your help. We can do it on our own. So if there's anybody in this room, I don't want them to look at their past and how much maybe they've fallen down in their prayer. But would you help somebody right now to set a a, a beachhead, to set a benchmark, where every day they're praying, every day they're seeking you because prayers are eternal, Jesus. They never go away. They're bottled up in heaven. And Lord God, so if prayers are eternal, what we've already done today is eternal. We've made a huge dent in the kingdom of darkness today. Thank you, Lord, for the prayers we've prayed, for the power that's been here. And would you just share with us your presence? Would you share with us an understanding of connecting with you, Jesus? Would you share with us an understanding of putting on the whole armor of God so we can fire the weaponry that you've put in our life spiritually? Lord Jesus, put us back in the turret. Lord God, put us back on the front lines. We will learn how to handle the recoil. We will learn how to handle the splashback. We'll learn how to handle the grenades thrown back at us from the enemy. We'll learn how to handle the soreness spiritually from firing weapons we're not used to. God, help.